And a pleasant uh, good evening to everybody tuning in here for this special In the Money Media show. Uh, got several sponsors, including the U.S. Harness Writers Association, the Hamiltonian Society, and uh, we're looking forward to discussing the 2023 Dan Patch Awards, which uh, those awards will be given out in February in Florida, but the announcement of those awards is coming a lot sooner. This Saturday, December 30th, the Meadowlands Simulcast pregame show will have the announcements of the 12 divisional winners. We'll find out on Dan Patch Night who will be named Pacer of the Year, Trotter of the Year, and Horse of the Year. And uh, there's some competitive div- divisions to discuss this year, so we've uh, got this special show to give you some of our thoughts as uh, all five of us on this panel tonight are voters in the Dan Patch Awards. We've all submitted our votes. We're going to Defend those votes. Some people like Michael Carter will really have to defend going against Confederate for Horse of the Year, but uh, we'll get into that as it goes. But uh, first of all, to introduce my panelist to my right, that's a Barry Lefkowitz, who is the president of the U.S. Harner's Rare Association. And uh, Barry, welcome to your first roundtable with us. Very glad to be here with you. It is right. We got Michael Carter, who's showing off another one of the uh, Dan Patch Award sponsors there, Caesars Entertainment. And uh, Mike's been on a couple of shows with us here on the Money Media. But Mike, this is the first time we get you on camera. First time to see your face on a roundtable. <laughs> Listen, I've got a face for radio, so maybe that's a uh, maybe that's a good thing. Uh, a couple of our and Mike, uh, by the way, the first vice president of the U.S. Harness Rider Association. Uh, down below, we've got a member of the Canadian chapter of the U.S. Harness Rider Association and a regular contributor here. There's Garnett Barnesdale in his uh, usual Bills attire. Go Bills. <laughs> and with his lovely DRF Harness background, we have uh, Derek Givner of the DRF Harness, who uh, is a member of the New York City chapter, which I will soon be joining as I have an apartment moving to New Rochelle, New York in two weeks' time. So Derek will soon be uh, chapter mates in New York City. Nice. Another voice in the room. You know, hopefully a vocal voice. Yeah. Vocal voice. the Delaware Valley chapter, Edison? Unfortunately, yes. Now, Barry is, is the president of U.S. Harnessware Association and also the president of Delaware Valley chapter where I currently reside. So I'm uh, so grateful for my time in Delaware Valley chapter for three for three and a half years here. But uh, unfortunately, I guess moving to New York City a little bit further away from a home down here in the mid-Atlantic. But uh, either way, a lot of great awards for us to discuss. And uh, Derek, I'm going to throw it back to you first and kind of ask our panelists, you know, Everybody kind of has their different priorities when it comes to these votings. Do, do you look at, you know, the Dan? Do you look at the Breeders' Crown winner? Put more weight in those races at the end of the year? Do you look at the whole body of work? I mean, I think everybody kind of has different opinions. So, Derek, from your perspective, how do you look at these divisional winners? First, we'll do a good quick test there. Can everyone hear me well? Because I just switched to my AirPods. So we can, we can Derek. We're good. We can Derek. Perfect. Uh, for me, I, I'm more statistical, I think, than perhaps most people. I, I tend to lean on the statistics and what the horses have done throughout the course of the year. And if I think the statistics are close, then I'll go with more of you know my visual stuff. You know what I saw with my own two eyes, what I my belief is, so to speak. You know, but I tend to lean on heavy on statistics and and how those went. Garnett, I mean, we've got uh, money earned throughout the year, number of wins, fastest miles. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you, you, you could just dissect this. Yeah, I like to think I'm, I'm similar to Derek, but when I was looking, I was reviewing my ballot, uh, my completed ballot before the show, and I think I got guilty in a couple of these cases of um, recency bias, perhaps, this year. Um, there's, there's probably three or four divisions that are, are kind of toss-ups, I think. I think some of them are very clear who the winner should be. And I think in some of those, unfortunately, well, I mean, I don't know if it's unfortunate, but that's kind of just the way it went for me. But typically, I, I would, I like to think, I think more along the lines of what Derek just described. Mike, what about for you? 
you know, I, I think a lot of us can get kind of caught up in the what have you done for me now um, sense. And Derek made a good point about, you know, trying to encompass what they've done all year. And uh, I know you were giving me a hard time uh, sort of about my uh, horse of the year selection. But, you know, it, you know, granted, Confederate had a great year. There were a lot of horses that had a really, really great season just all in all throughout the entire season. And, you know, like Derek said, I think you just have to take a look at the whole picture. And when you're voting for these awards, just, you know, decide, OK, you know, maybe even a head to head matchups. I mean, you know, Carl and TCI kind of hooked up a couple of times as well. And. A lot of voters, uh, you know, kind of took that into consideration as well. Barry, what about for you? Well, you know, it, it, it's always hard to say. I, I think it's a body of work in, in a lot of respects. Um, you can get caught in to what have you done for me lately. But in a sense, that doesn't tell the whole story. So I think you have to look at the whole picture. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think in my uh, analysis that I, I look at the big picture, but I will say in some of these divisions, and obviously we'll get into discussion of those, but there's some divisions where I really feel like some of the recency bias really did kind of play into some of my my decisions there, and uh, I think we'll see that in some of the divisions we discuss. In fact, Mark Anderson is listening in on Facebook there, and uh, thanks us all for coming on. Uh, Mark, always a great listener throughout the whole season here for these roundtables, and uh, he's got an opinion there on that two-year-old Colt Trot division. He's taking Carl over TCI. That's one of those divisions we'll jump into later that uh, I'm sure we hopefully have several different opinions on this panel of ways we voted, but we're going to go our way, starting with the Pacers, two-year-old Pacers, work our way through the older Pacers, go through the Trotters, then we'll discuss uh, the Pacer of the Year, Trotter of the Year, a little bit of discussion of Horse of the Year, and there's also a whole bunch of human awards. If we get a chance at the end, maybe we'll, we'll caught into if we have a, a couple extra minutes. But uh, let's get started. The two-year-old Colt and Gelding Pacers. Uh, Michael Carter, let's start with you. Captain Albano, seven wins this year from the nine starts, over $600,000 in the – or $445,000 in the bank. PA Sire Stakes champion, but if we're going to discuss recency, does finish second in the Breeders' Crown Final. Gem Quality, maybe the next uh, biggest contender. Four wins on the year, $438,000, and does have that Breeders' Crown win to his uh, record most recently. You know, this was a sort of a tougher kind of division for me, right? Because, you know, you've got a horse like Jim Quality, who is a solid, solid contender. But, you know, Captain Albano, from a year-long standpoint, I mean, didn't miss the board at all, uh, was a winner in the Breeders' Crown Elimination, won down in Lexington, won a Pennsylvania Sire Stakes final, and to me, did a little bit of everything uh, throughout the year, right? You, I mean, you won it just about every level. Granted, uh, you know, unfortunately, he lost the uh, Breeders' Crown final, but he didn't, um, you know, did embarrass himself, finished second, only beaten a length and a quarter. And, uh, you know, Gem Quality is a, is a solid, solid horse. So, you know, to me, this was my selection uh, based on a full year's body of work, was no worse than second throughout the entire season. Barry, what about your selection in this division? Well, I, 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 I kind of agree uh, with Michael. Um, I'm uh, biased, I guess, with Captain Albano because I love rubber bands around a beard. Um, if you remember Captain Lou Albano from the old wrestling days, I guess that's how the horse was named, perhaps. Um, you know, again, um, you know, he was second in the British Crown, but overall, uh, 
won the Pennsylvania Sire Stakes final, um, won the Bluegrass, won the International uh, Stallion Stake. Um, I, I think overall, you know, uh, hitting the board in every one of his starts, $445,000 in the bank. Uh, I don't hold his loss against him in the Breeders' Crown. So he was, he was my choice for a two-year-old co-pacer of the year. Garnett, Captain's Quarters, Clever Cody, a couple of Canadian connections. They're on this list of the uh, top money earners for the division. Do we get a dissenting vote from you, or is it Captain Albano? No dissent. Uh, this one was pretty easy for me. I mean, seven for nine. I think um, Jim Qualley got a pretty lucky trip to beat him in the Breeders' Crown inside the whole way. Um, got a clear lane in the stretch, not to take anything away from the horse, did what he did what he had to do, right? But um, um, Captain Albano did all the work in that race. That being said, and I'm going to need you guys to help me out a little bit here, I think the, maybe the main contender to any of these horses is going to be that um, Tony Alanya colt that was winning at the end of the year. I can't remember his name right now. Better is nice? Yeah, yeah. The, the one that was O for the year and then won like two or three in a row, including a big stake at the end of the year. Is that him? I believe so, yep. Uh Derek, uh, do we get a vote for you from Captain Obano or somewhere else? Yeah, I want Captain Obano too. I mean, I, I think statistically, you know, just looking at the numbers, forgetting about what races they may or may not have won, I think it's pretty close. You know, so this is one of those categories where I think it does come down to, you know, what I saw and what I felt was the better horse. And I felt that throughout the course of the year, Captain Obano was the better horse. Um did he win the Breeders' Crown? No, but I, I don't think you have to win the Breeders' Crown to win this award. And I think he did enough throughout the course of uh, his races. Although I said I feel like recency is important to me, but uh, this is one of the visions. Can't say I spent too much time thinking about gem quality. You look at the whole body of work for the year. Captain Albano was a pretty clear selection for me. And, uh, well, based on our group of five panelists, we might have a pretty good idea who may end up winning that division. But uh, one that I think is a lot more competitive is what we'll go to next. That's the two-year-old Philly Pacers and the Garnett. I personally have it down to four. Maybe there's even a fifth one if you want to include it's a love thing. But of course, my girl EJ is the Breeders' Crown winner. Does lose the three diamond final, though. Made nearly $700,000 this year. Caviar Bell came back to win the last race of the year there in the three diamonds. Seven wins this year, over $450,000 banked. You have Passline, who was the Ontario Sire Stakes uh, Super Final winner. Finished second in that Breeders' Crown final. Made over half a million dollars this year. And, of course, you can't forget about Geocentric, who was a perfect 9-for-9 nine nine this year, but did end up finishing 7th at 2-to-5 in the Breeders' Crown Final. So with all that said, Garnett, how did you dissect this tricky division? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's it's tough. Like, I mean, I, I, you know, I could have a Canadian bias and go for pass line, but I didn't. But you really can't <laughs> take much away from her, right? I mean, she won all those races in Canada, come second in the Breeders' Crown. Pretty good effort. Um, I went to my girl EJ just from what I saw at the end of the year. The, you know, she kind of tipped her hand in her Breeders' Crown elimination when she powered home in 25 and 3. And she was a really good bet at, at nine bucks in the in the final in hindsight. And I didn't bet her, which I, I feel kind of stupid about. But I mean, that was a very powerful win there. And, um, you know, it came up a little bit short to, to a very sharp Caviar Bell, who also, um, you know, she was really good early in the year kind of went off form a little bit for th four or five starts and then got really good again at the end of the year again. So um, I, I went to my girl EJ, but man, this, this one could be very tight, the voting, I think. So that is a vote for my girl EJ. Derek, where will you go? I think the voting will be very tight in this category. And I think he, I think it comes down to my girl EJ and, and geocentric. Um, 
for me, I, I really, I struggled a lot with this category because, you know, it, it, going into the Breeders' Crown, I was probably thinking, you know, geocentric, you know, that's the one you're going to go with. And then obviously she didn't have her best performance that day. But really when I poured over the numbers, what it came down to me, what it came down for is I want to give a benefit of the doubt more to the horse that raced on the Grand Circuit. And I felt like if you look at what Geocentric did throughout the body of her work, it was mostly Sire Stake stuff. Um, and when she came to the Breeders' Crown, you know, she didn't show up that day. And unfortunately, that was the most important race of her year. You know, winning Sire Stakes finals are great, but I'm not going to consider just Sire Stakes finals as Grand Circuit races, you know, regardless of how much they go for. To me, the Grand Circuit is an open race. That's where everyone can race. Those are the ones you got to win more of. And my girl EJ has a better body of work in those races than Geocentric. So that's two both for my girl EJ. Barry, do we make it three or are you going to go elsewhere? Uh, I, I happen to agree with Derek that, um, you know, the proliferation of the sire states, especially in Kentucky, where you have dual eligibles. And in some cases, you can have triple eligibles in sire states um, leads people to, you know, say, hey, I'm going to give up the grand circuit races and go for the sire states. And I don't think that that's exceptionally fair, uh, even though the money is there. But, you know, you're restricted in a lot of respects. However, um, I watched Geocentric race quite a bit. I was very, very impressed with her throughout the season. Uh, disappointed in her Breeders' Crown final, but ultimately, and again, in a very close toss-up, I went with Geocentric. Two votes for my girl EJ, a vote for Geocentric, Michael Carter. Uh, I voted for Geocentric in this division. This was, you know, like Derek and Garnett, everybody has said, I mean, this was a really, really tough, tough division. But for me, you know, Geocentric defeated my girl EJ not once but twice, uh, once in the British Crown Elimination and once in the Pennsylvania Sire Stakes Final back in September. And, you know, horses are not machines. And I think, you know, we've we've all learned that uh throughout the years, you know, horses turn up bad for one reason or another. And I think Geocentric just had an off night. Unfortunately, it was on a night where uh, she needed to prove, uh, prove herself. However, I think, you know, having won nine of her 10 starts this year and defeating my girl EJ, uh, not once but twice, I think she got the slight nod. So for me, it was really difficult as well, as we've all obviously alluded to. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I did vote my girl EJ as well. The, the nearly $700,000, five wins this year from the 13 starts. Obviously, the Breeders' Crown win was a big part of it. But for Geocentric, I, I don't know, for me, I, and I'm not saying that it would have. I mean, I obviously would have had to look at it closer if it happened. But Garnett, I guess I'll ask you, since, since you also voted for my girl EJ with me, who was close to Geocentric. If Geocentric would have finished second, say, in the Breeders' Crown or put in a little better effort than the seventh, would that have potentially made this decision tougher for you, or is the loss really what you focused on? Maybe. I mean, listen, if she was second beating a nose to my girl, EJ, you know, I would have looked a little closer and I would have found those losses that Mike just mentioned to Geocentric, which I didn't notice initially. Um, yeah, it, it, I guess it would depend, but 
Um, that one kind of just sticks out, that seventh beaten nine where, you know, she's up by two and really had no fight in the last quarter. Something went amiss, I think, with her that day. But, I mean, we're, we're, we're basing these votes on results, right? And she didn't get the results, so. And I'm not, I'm not putting a lot of weight into elimination races. You know, I, I really don't care who beats who in an elimination race. That's fair. Let, let's face it. A lot of these horses aren't going all out in these elimination races. Same. I'm putting yeah. my weight in the finals of, of these major stakes races. That's where most of my weight's going. You know, and if you want Cyrus stakes along the way, I'm going to take that into consideration. But I want to put weight in, into these big finals where I know everyone's showing up with their best effort if they have it. Yeah, I would say the elimination maybe didn't heavily factor in my decision, obviously, with Michael E.J. losing the Geocentric in that elimination. But the Pocono race was pretty significant there in the PA Sire stakes. Geocentric took care of business that day. But, see, that's where I say, I don't know, I think my decision would have made it even tougher if these two were at least closer, if, if Geocentric was more competitive in that Breeders' Crown final. But, uh, again, maybe this is a little bit of the recency bias, but Michael E.J. towards the end of the year, I think, really took those steps forward she needed. And uh, that's the way I sided, but... I suspect it'll be a close one. Mark Anderson on Facebook chiming in saying he'll take Geocentric over Michael EJ. So counting that as a sixth opinion, that's a three and three here. So this could be a very interesting division uh, as we'll look forward to Saturday night at the Meadowlands on on their pregame show. Again, 5.20 p.m. the start time Saturday night at the Meadowlands. We'll find out who is the winner of that division as well as these other 11 divisions. And we'll move on to one of those other 11 divisions now. We'll go to the uh, three-year-old Colt and Gelding Pacers. And, um, well... We all know what Confederates did this year. The $1.6 million in the bank, 13 wins from the 15 starts. It's my show, to be fair, does deserve plenty of credit for nearly making $1.1 million this year. Does win the North America Cup, does win the Little Brown Jug. But, uh, uh, Derek, I suspect probably not too much discussion on this division. Yeah, it's my show. Had a very good season. Confederate had, an, you know, maybe an all-time great season. I mean, when you look at the body of work and – the races he's won, he won and the way he was able to win these races, you know, there really is, there isn't a lot to talk about here. Confederate is the best three-year-old Colt Pacer in the country for 2023. That's it. <laughs> well, Mike, uh, I suspect you're, you're going to lean the same way, but uh, for Confederate, we, we talk about recency, to be fair, that last, last race for him, unfortunately, wasn't too spectacular, but FanDuel Championship against Olders, last career start, I suppose not something we'll hold too much against him going to the breeding shed. Listen, you to me, you can't hold that race against him from a divisional standpoint, right? That you know, if you're going to vote against him for that race in the division, you know, I, I would I don't think I would ever tell anybody they were wrong for voting, you know, one way or another. But if I you're would. gonna hold if you're gonna well, hang on, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say right now I'm gonna tell you later in the show you're wrong. Yeah. But I'm going to say right now, if you're voting against him because of the FanDuel race for three-year-old Colton Gunning Pacer, you're dead wrong. And, you know, it's, you know, it was an unfortunate performance that night. You know, things happen one way, you know, one way or another. But as Derek's alluded to, you know, the entire body of work all season long, there's no doubt in my mind that Confederate deserves to be a three-year-old Colton Gunning Pacer. Barry, and turning to you, I suspect we're going to find another Confederate vote. Well, I, I don't think there's much of a question here. Um, it's my show put in a very, very, very good season. Um, won a couple of big races, but when it came down to it, Confederate was clearly the best of this division. Um, won every dance. I mean, 
you can you, you can't even take into consideration the last race you know against the older horses but uh um just a remarkable uh campaign well, Garnett knows that there's plenty of times this year in races I tried to beat uh, Confederate and thought he was going to lose one eventually. Obviously, it did happen in the FanDuel. But that said, as much as I loved It's My Show, Confederate obviously has to be the vote for me. And Garnett, I'm assuming we're going to find a clean sweep. Yeah, and I, I don't think you can hold the FanDuel against him. You look at this race, he was forced wide, some might argue intentionally, at the start of the race. And then to come first over in, in the final three quarters of 122, on November 25th, he would have had to go 121 to beat those to beat older horses. He would have to be the greatest horse that ever lived to do that. So I don't hold that race against him in any vote, really. Well, there's another division where we're going to find uh, a unanimous vote from this panel for Confederate. And, uh, you know, it might not be unanimous overall, but I suspect there won't be too many dissenting Confederate votes uh, for this division. Uh, the three-year-old Philly Pacers up next, and uh, we'll go to Garnett Barnesdale first because we'll figure he'll show some Canadian love. Uh, Sylvia Hanover wins the Breeders' Crown Final, wins the Glen Garnsey, was really working forward there at the end of the year. Ten wins from the 13 starts, $767,000 banked. But Twimby Joe Fresh, uh, the FanDuel winner, won the Matron, won also a division of the Glen Garnsey. Kentucky Sire Stakes winner, had a win over Sylvia Hanover throughout the season, 11 wins. $842,000 in the bank, but uh, Garnett, I'm expecting we're going to see a Sylvia vote from you. Yeah, no, nobody can make a strong case that she's not the winner here. She won, uh, she lost three races. Two of them were races she was probably not, they probably weren't totally interested in winning. There were purpose races. And the third one she lost was when she had a mishap uh, and, and she lost the twin B. Joe Fresh there, but she handled her, she handled her in two other starts, um, you know, and, uh, her, her race in the Breeders' Crown was just phenomenal. Uh, Twin B. Joe Fresh had a great year. She might, We might see some epic battles between these two next year. Maybe they'll be on equal footing uh, on the racetrack, but I can't see how anybody could argue that Twin B. Joe Fresh had a better year than Sylvia. <laughs> well, Derek, uh, you said you like to look at your analytics. One more win for Twin B. Joe Fresh, 80000 extra dollars. Do those factors come into play here, or, or is it more of the uh, the big race winners? I mean, the numbers come into play when it, there's big gaps. You know, the gaps between these two horses, they're very, very close. I mean, you can make the case that Sylvia one more has a better win percentage, 10 for 13 versus 11 for 17. You know, earnings-wise, it's pretty close. Best time is close. I mean, they're much closer on paper than they are in my head. Because in my head, Sylvia Hannah was far and away the best 3 0 pacer. It wasn't even close. So, I mean... I, that's my eye test of having watched all these races, uh, you know, and seeing them race time and time again. Sylvia Hanover was was the better three-year-old filly, but statistically, they're really close. So, uh, I could see why someone would take a shot with Twin B. Joe Fresh and say, "Listen, you know, I'm I'm looking at the numbers, and the numbers say she's better." I could see why someone would do that, but I think if you go back and watch every single race that these horses were in. I think you'll find that Sylvia was the, the the more appealing horse of the two. You know, Barry, for me, it was kind of interesting. I was thinking about if I had to vote after like Sunstakes Day, when Sylvia breaks in the lynch, Twimby Joe Fresh wins so easily. I think those weeks preceding, that's where Twimby Joe Fresh really got her momentum, really built her bankroll. But then I think Sylvia coming right back at the end of the season with the Bluegrass win, with the Glen Garnsey win, with the Breeders' Crown final win, that's what put Sylvia over the top for me. But 
got to be honest, if you made me vote two or three months ago, I might have been convinced to flip, possibly. I'll tell you, these are two great fillers, okay? Um, I have a sentimental weakness for these two. They were, like, two of the best uh, in my selections as yearlings, okay? Um, Early on, I know a lot of knowledgeable people thought that Twin B Joe Fresh would be the better horse. As it turned out, that's not the case. Um, you know, Sylvia Hanover, except for the uh, uh, the mishap in the Lynch, uh, did everything that was really asked of her. Same with Twin B Joe Fresh. I mean, Twin B Joe Fresh won the fan duel, albeit a fairly weak uh, mayor pace division, but Sylvia Hanover clearly was the better horse. But two uh, great fillies uh, from from this crop uh, that should be uh, recognized. Well, Mike, regardless of which way you vote, if you vote for Sylvia, we've got a clean sweep here. I still feel like when we get to the actual votes on Saturday night, I feel like this division has to be closer than maybe this panel's indicating. But uh, I don't know. Are we going to get a vote for Twimby Joe Fresh out of you, Mike, or is it actually a sweep for Sylvia? This is uh, the one where Garnet's going to give me a little bit of a hard time, I think. Uh, I did vote for Twimby Joe Fresh. Um, I, yeah, I know that comes as a shock to everybody, right? Garnet saw my vote like from 20 minutes after the uh, 20 minutes after the uh, materials were sent out. But uh, no, I, you know, here's the thing. And maybe it was a little bit of uh, what have you done for me lately? But Twin B. Joe Fresh winning the fan duel um, to me is part of the reason I voted for her. Now, granted, it was a five horse field. Was it the, some of the best Phillies or mayors in the division? Maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, she did rebound off of that Breeders' Crown win with a matron victory. Um, so t- for me, uh, you know, Twin B. Joe Fresh had a solid of enough season that, uh, you know, she got the nod from me. Well, based on this group, it appears it's 80 to 20 Sylvia. I don't know. I suspect the actual vote is going to be a bit tighter than that. But, uh, Mike, no no uh, concern for me for that vote. I think that's a fair vote. And I, I think there will be plenty of others that will follow you that way. I think that could be a a closer-ish division in the uh, awards here. But next we'll go to the aged pacer. So Ali Hanover, if we're talking recency, does win the fan duel, defeating by the missile, defeats that two artist, defeats Confederate, and had four wins on the year, totaling over 560,000. Of course, by the missile, nearly the millionaire on the season, 11 wins, includes the Breeders' Crown win, does finish second in the fan duel to Ali and then Tattoo Artist made 960,000 this year with nine wins, including a second in the Potomac Pace, a third in the Breeders' Crown, wins the Dayton Derby, wins the Canadian Pacing Derby. Uh, so a lot of uh, different directions possibly go in the age pacing division. Uh, so, Barry, which way did you end up going? Well, again, this is a tough a tough division because, you know, horses race all year long, and it is exceptionally hard to keep a horse fresh for the entire season. Uh you know, you have horses cover bridge, 35 starts. Um, you know, tattoo waters, 24 starts. But at the end of the day, I thought the consistency of by the missile um, gets my nod for this division. Not to take anything away 
from any of the other horses because they, you know, they're, they're warriors. I mean, you know, they're out there from the Borgata uh, to the FanDuel. Uh, Mike? All right. So for me, it's by the missile. Um, you know, to me, you have to throw out those two New Jersey maturity races. Those don't even count. Um, they weren't even close to, uh, you know, being considered for me. Uh, when I talked to trainer Ron Burke uh, before the Myron Charner president's pace at Northfield, he, you know, I know a lot of people were worried after the uh, Jurovinsky, um, you know, sickness or whatever. But, you know, he said that his vet told him, like, look, you know, he's just four. He's a gelding. Um, you know, there's plenty of time for him to kind of bounce back and rebound. And boy, did he ever rebound with a, I mean, the powerful performance in the San McKee Memorial. I mean, we saw him here in the Myron Charner president's pace. Uh, he was good in the Aria and then he reeled off, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four straight victories, uh, before finishing second, just beat a neck in the FanDuel championship. To me, this division, uh, goes through by the missile and, um, you know, there's really not too much argument coming from me. Derek? I think Tattoo Artist deserves to be in the conversation 100%. I mean, the earnings are pretty close up by the missile. Um, for me, the separator really was Tattoo Artist. Only had nine wins and 24 starts versus 11 wins and 16 starts. You know, uh, I think that was, you know, the big separator for me is I want to see a horse that, you know, yeah, races throughout the season, but, you know, does well consistently throughout the season. And Tattoo Artist really tailed off at the end. You know, if he would have won the FanDuel or if he would have won the Breeders' Crown, I mean, you know, maybe if he would have, you know, given um, by the missile a fight in the Potomac, you know, any of those would have been, you know, at least something where you can hang your hat on. Maybe Tattoo Artist deserves the nod. But I think by the missile clearly had the best season from start to finish and produced the best resume. You know, Gardenet, I, I voted for By the Missile, but I will say, if you would have asked me after the McKee Memorial and Hamiltonian Day at the Meadowlands, <laughs> I would have thought it would have been a lot easier of a win for By the Missile in the end. It got a little rocky there for a little bit, but uh, I think he did enough in the end, uh, despite falling 14,000 short of a million on the year to, to earn the nod here. Yeah, and he got really good. Um, in his pacing derby elimination, he was so good winning by eight in the 147 and three that I tweeted out that he's going to run the table. And, of course, he lost in the final because that's what happens when you do stupid things like that. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, Derek Derek pretty much nailed it. Uh, tattoo artist started the year, I think, two for 14, right? He got really hot um, in the middle of the year. And I think, I think for me, the separator was the, was the Breeders' Crown. If, if he beats by the missile in the Breeders' Crown and then just calls it a year, he's got a shot, I think, right? Because then he's got a, bu a whole bunch of wins, and including – the pacing derby and the Breeders' Crown over by the missile, but he didn't, and uh, and he tailed off, and by the missile finished strongly, and um, from start to finish he had the best year for sure. So that, that he was my vote. Well, Mark listening on Facebook says if anyone picks against Confederate, they should lose their vote. So President Barry and uh, First Vice President Michael take that into consideration. <laughs> uh, Mark also says by the missile is the clear winner in his opinion in this division. Now, Rich has a question for us, and Derek, I'm going to direct this to you because this seems like a you analytics kind of question. So on the two-year-old Colt, we're going back to Captain Albano. Captain Albano was super. He ducked the Metro in favor of Sire Stakes and then got beat as a huge favorite in the Breeders' Crown by a horse that was beat in the Metro, which was by far the key race, as they say, for thoroughbreds. 
So in grade one races, 0 for 2. In addition, his 149-2 record was from a two-hole trip at Lexington on a warm day, not a nighttime line, super horse, but when the money was down, he gets beat by Gem Quality. Who beat who? I think he makes some fair points, and I don't think it's a slam dunk for any of these horses. Quite frankly, if Captain's Quarters decided to race past the Metro, I might have voted for Captain Quarters, you know, if, if he had a few more starts. But I don't think you can stop at the Metro, call it a year, <laughs> and then get the award, you know, unless everyone else is pretty bad. Um, Gem Quality raced well, but in the Metro, where was he? You know, he was eighth. You know, he, he had his Breeders' Crown win, which certainly boosts up his earnings. But without that one win, his earnings are really low. Um, I felt like Captain Albano was the most consistent overall, and I think that's why he won the award. But certainly, if, if some of these horses would have done, if Gem Quality were to come back and race at the Meadowlands in the full Final Four, I, I think in the Governor's Cup, I think he would have had a legitimate chance and probably would have won if he would have came back and raced in the Governor's Cup. But it's um, maybe it wasn't that important, or maybe it wasn't eligible too. <laughs> I will say, and and adding uh, to answer Rich's question partially as well, uh, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, in assembling our group of five panelists here, it's not like I knew anybody else's vote. So in some ways, I was kind of surprised we all five went for Captain Bono. I figured there would be a gem quality vote based on that Breeders' Crown and kind of looking at that same line of thinking that Rich had. So, so Rich, to answer your question. I suspect that it's not going to be a slam dunk for Captain Albano as maybe us on this panel uh, are thinking. I suspect he probably is going to be the divisional winner, but uh, I suspect there will be some people voting your your direction, Rich, there, uh, the line of thinking that you're going for. But uh, to close out the Pacers, we've got the aged Mayor Pacers, and uh, we've got Grace Hill, who comes in with 10 wins on the year, 570,000. Obviously, Breeders' Crown didn't exactly go her way, but does win the Alaraz, Dayton Distaff, the Milton. Max Contract wins the Breeders' Crown, finishes third, though, in the FanDuel to Twinby Joe Fresh. 360000 on the year with eight wins for Max Contract. Silver Label makes 460000 this year with eight wins, including the Lady Liberty, and finishes second there at a pretty big number in that Breeders' Crown Mayor's Final. So, uh, Mike, another division that I feel like there's directions you could go here. Yeah, I, you know, this was this was a really tough division for me. You know, Grace Hill, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, for Virgil Morgan Jr. is a really, really nice mare, as is Max Contract. But uh, I selected uh, Silver Label um, in this division. Uh, Silver Label, uh, winner of the Lady Liberty, um, you know, did some really nice things up at, uh, at uh, Woodbine Mohawk Park, up at Garnet's uh, Neck of the Woods. Um, but was unfortunately scratched there towards the end of the season. So she kind of tailed off there towards the end, but that Breeders' Crown effort, uh, you know, wasn't horrible. She was still coming on max contract. And, uh, you know, from a complete season's body of work, I thought, uh, you know, maybe deserved the nod here. So, Barry, that is a vote for Silver Label. What about for you? Well, I, you know, I wish there was more bodies of work for all these pacing aged uh, older mares. Um, in the end, I, I think that um, Grace Hill was probably the best out of all of them. Uh, what was it? Uh, missed the board once in 15 starts. Um, again, not a lot of races for these horses, which in some cases is a problem, but there's not a lot of them out there that are racing. So you know, it becomes very difficult. But for me, it was graceful. 
All right, Garnett, you know I have no problem sharing private messages. Michael Carter is out here texting me in the middle of this division. <laughs> hey, skip me. I think I screwed up with Silver Label in this division. Skip me. <laughs> I don't want I don't want to be skipped, but I think I screwed up too now when I look at these horses. I, I you know, there's a, a Marion here that I have a soft spot for, Max Contract, because I picked her to win and better in some big, in which she paid big twice, once at two and once at three. And I kind of recency biased her as my vote, but I think, you know, when I take another look at it, Grace Hill, I think, is for sure the most deserving winner. And and when you remember the Breeders' Crown Breeders' crown Night, the front end was not the place to be. And she got stunned 25-4, and 54-4. Four, four and four. Of course, she wasn't going to win off that trip. And then immediately challenged to the three quarters. But if you if you toss that race and the elimination where she clearly um, was raced very conservatively to make the final, her body of work really stands out to me. And uh, if, I could, if I could change my vote now, I'd... I'd go to Grace Hill, but I can't. So my vote went to Max Contract. <laughs> so, Derek, we have one confident vote for Grace Hill, a very unconfident vote for Silver Label, and a pretty unconfident vote for Max Contract. But what about for you? I, I, I wouldn't say I, I love, you know, my selection, but I, I think I made the right one. I went with Grace Hill. Uh, she has the most money earned, the most wins. And quite frankly, I feel like if they all show up, you know, in my mind, if they all showed up with their best effort, Right. Grace Hill was the best of the group, you know, and that's kind of the way I looked at it for the way this year went. Um, what's nice is that, you know, I'm assuming Silver Labels four is still four, Max Contract four. Hopefully we'll see these horses next year. We'll get some new four year olds as well, and we'll have a, a stronger division next year. So I'm going to pretty much echo Garnett's sentiments. In hindsight, yeah, so, I, you know, I kind of have that same soft spot Garnett has when it comes to Max Contract. We saw those couple of big price wins she's had in the past. Uh, I remember watching her kind of grow up there from, you know, those races to Philly to the Meadowlands last year on those daytime cards. She really took big step forward. Obviously, she wins the Breeders' Crown, third there in the FanDuel. So maybe that recency bias towards the end of the year. So I did vote for her. I will stand by that selection but I do see the strong case we made for Grace Hill for giving that last line. So uh, I could probably be convinced that way now as well, maybe in hindsight, Garnett. But either way, we got two votes here for Max Contract, two for Grace Hill, one for Silver Label. I suspect all three of them will be getting their fair share of votes uh, in this voting process. And uh, let's see, tough call for Mark Anderson. He'll take Max Contract too. So that's actually three votes here for uh, Max Contract. And uh uh, Debbie Little, who's listening in, by the way, we got to get her on one of these panels next year. She, she's a good Ushwa yeah. voter. In fact, she was Ushwin of the year last year. She wants to know if Barry's the only one on the panel that knows who Captain Albano is actually named after. Of course, I'm old enough to know that, unfortunately. My father, my father I, I kind know. of looked a little bit like Captain Albano, so I, I have a soft spot in my heart for him just because of that. But Did, did, he, have, did he have the same wardrobe as well? <laughs> no, he didn't have the same wardrobe, but he kind of had that kind of beard, though he didn't put the rubber bands in it. And, you know, he kind of had that, that that look to him. But one thing you'll – I mean, I like to think everyone feels the same way and votes the same way, but I, I don't let my feelings get in the way of my votes. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm voting who I think is most deserving, you know, regardless of who I like, don't like, you know, what kind of emotional connection I have. You know, I throw that all out the window. Mike, did you know who that? Did you know that the answer to that? Oh yeah, I know who Captain Albano is. My parents, uh, you know, they used to watch, you know, wrestling and whatnot. So yeah, I knew who Captain okay. Albano was. I have no clue, so I guess I'm the 23 year old on the panel. <laughs> oh. 
All right, let's flip over to the trot. Let's go to those two-year-old Colt and Gelding Trotters. And, uh, well, wow. uh, you know, it was billed as matchup of the century a couple times this year. Wow. And uh, I guess it's going to be at the voting box as well. It's Carl versus TCI. I know plenty of people have very strong opinions on either side of the fence of this one. And uh, for that matter, I don't really know where our panelists uh, ended up pointing their votes to. So, uh, Barry, I guess we'll start with you and we'll just kind of go from there. Um, this was without question the toughest division to decide. I mean, you could flip a coin and be right, you know. Um, I went for TCI and um, taking nothing away from Carl. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, TCI, you know, uh, won the Mohawk Million after a break, uh, won the Houghton Memorial, won the Wellwood uh, final, uh, won the Sire, uh, Pennsylvania Sire Stakes final. And um, again, taking nothing away from Carl, who is brilliant at the end of the year, I will point out if you were going to include the kindergarten uh, for Carl, had TCI stayed in training and entered into the kindergarten, it would have knocked Carl out of the kindergarten because TCI had two starts in the kindergarten versus Carl one. It's very close, uh, but I, I, I went for TCI. Okay, well, that is a TCI vote. I'd like to balance it out with a Carl vote, so I'm going to go to Garnett. I think Garnett's going to give us a Carl vote. He is. Um... Interesting. The, the interesting thing about TCI, one of the most interesting things is I have uh, I help a friend up here with a way he does a podcast, a weekly podcast, um, and uh, I'm kind of his harness uh, content provider. He doesn't follow harness as much as um, thoroughbred, but he's sponsored by a, a bunch of local places that do both, right? Woodbine, Ontario Racing. He's putting together a you know the top races of the year, and I said for harness racing at Mohawk or in Ontario, it has to be the Mohawk Million. The way TCI made that remarkable recovery to win. Um, it may not have been the strongest field, but it was still pretty amazing, right? Um, that being said, you know, when, when you consider everything, they faced each other twice. Um, TCI TCI won off a pocket trip in the International Stallion. I, I'm not sure Carl was at his best at that time. Um, and, uh, you know, you could argue that, you know, you can argue ifs and buts. If this horse entered, the other one wouldn't be in it. Well, he was, and he jogged from the 10 hole, right, in the kindergarten. And then... Um, the exclamation point was the the crush crushing uh, win at the end of the year for me in the Valley Victory, you know, fifty two and one. So it, it's close. It's definitely close, but you do get a Carl vote from me. So Derek, uh, Debbie Little completely agrees with Barry on TCI, and I know from a phone call with her and Dave Little today, Dave Little's on the other side of the argument. So that's even a, a husband and wife torn apart from the Carl <laughs> TCI debate. Uh, but Derek, which side are you going to take? I hope it ends in a tie. We already had one tie. Hopefully we can get another tie out of this. That would make it uh, interesting. Because um, I think both horses are, are really deserving, you know, and it's it's things that you got to pick one over the other. Uh, I ended up going with Carl. I, I will say that after the Breeders' Crown, I was on TCI's bandwagon as a winner, even though he didn't win the Breeders' Crown. But the fact that Carl went out and padded his bankroll with a couple more starts, I think, you know, kind of – evened up you know that category a little bit more i mean he finished you know tci still finished a couple hundred thousand ahead of him but you know 
Carl, you know, did some other things better than him, in my opinion. You know, he went a little bit faster. Uh, the head-to-head matchup certainly favored Carl. I mean, he, he lost by a, a nose and won the other race by open lengths. Um, his Carl's win percentage was a little bit better. I don't know, if 90% to 83%. You know, for those who want to, you know, go down to the nitty-gritty. I just felt like the, the two times they met up, you know, Carl was the better horse overall. You know, yes, he lost one, but he lost one by a little bit, and he won one by a lot. You know, and um, I, I just had to go Carl's way off off of that. Now, if Carl would have stopped after the Breeders' Crown, I would have voted for TCI. So they actually won themselves a vote, you know, for me at least, by coming back and racing in those lists, you know, a couple of races and picking up those wins and getting those extra earnings because I thought the earnings differential was too great, you know, to vote for uh, – you know, call, you know, unless you got those wins. So Derek, just just play devil's advocate a bit here. So you're saying those last two starts from Carl were kind of key indicators to you. And obviously two back was post 10, an impressive effort there. But how about the fact that he was one to 20 in both of those starts? Doesn't that say something about the quality of who he may have been facing in, in those last two? No, because I wasn't voting against Carl, you know, after the Breeders' Crown, you know, because of the fact that, you know, you know I was voting against him because he didn't have enough money earned. And he went out and he earned the money. You know, he doesn't get to decide who he's going to race against. You know, I, I didn't stop TCI from racing in those races. He could have showed up. I think they made the right move in stopping with him. But you know what? He's just like TCI got the start in starts that he wanted to start in. Carl started in the starts he wanted to start in. And, you know, they all both ended where they ended. You know, and the, the, the earnings ended up where they ended up. Carl made a million dollars as a two-year-old Colt Trotter. That's not easy to do. You know, and he did it with another horse earning 1.2 million. You know, that just shows you how good of a horse he was. You, you got to keep in mind that those two horses were the first two two-year-old colts to make a million dollars. And you know, you had Snow White, who a filly who made more than they did. So it was, it was a remarkable year for those two horses. Let's vote for Ty. Rooting for a tie. <laughs> well, Mike, as we go to you, uh, one thing we didn't discuss so far, and this is something Debbie Little and I discussed earlier in, in discussing this division some more. Mike, what do you make of the class situation? How about the fact that Carl kind of sticks around through uh, Kentucky a little bit, whereas, you know, TCI we see a lot more in the Grand Circuit. I mean, does that edge kind of factor in at all to you, or, or how did you end up voting for that matter? Uh, you know, not really. I mean, listen, uh, you know, TCI raced in the Pennsylvania Sire Stakes and, uh, you know, Carl raced his, you know, a couple of starts over in Kentucky and the Kentucky Sire Stakes. So, you know, I mean, granted, uh, towards the end of the year there, I mean, you see TCI and the William Wellwood and then again in the Peter Houghton, then back to the Milwaukee Million with the International Stallion. To me, that wasn't, you know, that hadn't, I didn't give much weight to that. Um you know, if we're playing devil's advocate, Barry makes an interesting point about TCI knocking Carl out of the kindergarten. I, for me, I voted for Carl, but if, you know, if TCI knocks Carl out of the kindergarten and wins, and then the following week, Carl comes back and wins the Valley victory, then you really got a heck of a vote on your hands. Um, but for me, like everybody else, those two victories right there at the end of the season uh, sealed the deal for me. And, uh, you know, Carl's just a really, really nice, uh, really, really nice horse, as is TCI. So, you know, like Derek said, uh, let's hope for another time. Let me point out that they both had four Grand Circuit wins. So it was 4-4. Four, four. 
and Grand Circuit wins. So. You know, I was so high on TCI all year. I, I think I bet him pretty much every start all season. I mean, I loved him in that first matchup against Carl. I even liked him in the Breers ground, for that matter. Obviously, Carl was much the best. Uh, I mean, the Mohawk Million, uh, Garnett mentioned, I mean, that race was just incredible. Go watch that replay. Uh, but somehow I was convinced on Carl, and I, I guess if I'm going to put in one line, I guess it was the Breeders' Crown at the end of the day. I mean, they were essentially in a dead heat, and the first time they met up, the TCI wins by a flared nostril. And, well, in the Breeders' Crown, I think it was very clear Carl was best that night. And, yeah, I suppose the last two starts of the year there could only help to further the case. So uh, I had to go Carl, but – Man, at first time I was on TCI all year, it is kind of a weird little flip there for me at the end of the season. But, uh, I, you know, we might have four votes here for, for Carl, but I, I suspect this could be a very tight one. And, uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe we do get another dead heat. Uh, the dead heat Derek referring to, we've had the first announcement of a Dan Patch Award winner, and it was the on the human side. The Stan Bergstein uh, Proximity Award last year went to Bulldog Hanover, a horse. We've seen it go to groups and people before. So this year we got both a group and a person, so the Brittany Farms. Uh, dead heated with Jason Settlemore for the victory there in the uh, Bergstein Award. So congratulate them on the wins, and we'll look forward to uh, hearing the rest of the Human Awards announcements coming out in press releases in the coming days. And again, obviously, Saturday night, we'll find out who these horse winners are, and that will include the uh, two-year-old Philly Trotters. And uh, Mike? Edison, remember, in in the two-year-old Colt Trot, and I put this on Facebook because I knew it would be interesting for folks, the closest the two-year-old Colt Trot was ever, was in 2010 when Pastor Stephen defeated uh, Man of Many Missions by one vote. So there is some precedence for, you know, a tight race. Oh, I suspect we, we definitely probably will have a, a close one. Uh, tight race here at the ballot box. And Mark makes a good point. Looking forward to seeing those two races against each other. Next year is three-year-old, so they'll probably have some tight races there as well. But, uh, Mike, two-year-old Philly Trotters, Soiree Hanover, made a break in the Goldsmith Maid last time out, finished second in the Breeders' Crown, but does win the Doherty, does win a Grand Circuit uh, stake down at the Red Mile. Warley Michelle, with the recency bias, wins a Breeders' Crown a limb, wins a Breeders' Crown final. That's kind of the two that I was deciding between for this two-year-old Philly Trot division. Yeah, you know, were we Michelle? I mean, granted, you know, she won the Breeders' Crown. You know, she just got up by a head in 153 and four. I mean, that was a really big effort from uh, from both those mares. But my uh, my vote here went to Soiree Hitover, uh, you know, a victory in the Jim Doherty, victory in the New Jersey Classic. Uh, was third in the New Jersey Sire Stakes final going for uh, $240,000. For me, though, you know, the entire year's worth of work um, – goes to uh, Soiree Hanover here for uh, trainer Lucas Wallen. Derek? I also went Soiree Hanover. Uh, most money won, obviously. That goes without saying. For me, I think the, a big separator for me was that New Jersey Classic. And I know I don't like necessarily to harp on these state-bred races, but it was a race where she faced Warrior Michelle. And Warrior Michelle had a, you know a, an inside post and you know, Suarez Hanover was not way outside, but in the seven. And, you know, Suarez Hanover swooped the field and ended up winning that race. And, you know, that to me gave her a little bit of an edge over her rival in addition to the earnings. I, I think she's going to be a, a reasonably, you know, uh, you know, uh, heavy winner here. I, I don't think she's going to, you know, win 90% of the vote, but I think she'll, you know, get 70 or 75% of the vote. Barry, are we getting a Suarez vote from you? Uh, you certainly are, Edison. Um, I, 
again, I think the body of work uh, speaks for itself. The money earnings speak for itself. You know, if you toss out the last, you know, the Breeders' Crown, she won, you know, the Doherty. Uh, again, I'm with Derek. I, I don't put a lot of weight on the state bred races because um, the open grand circuit races are the ones I think we should focus on the most. And I think Swari Hanover is clearly the best in this division. Garnett, four for four for Swari? Four for four, yep. Uh, I'm going to give an honorable mention of Willie's home run tell of, of a 30-second story. So uh, when I was handicapping her her debut race for DRF Harness, I always do a little bit of research with first-time starters, of course. And I saw that uh, many of her siblings have won, had won their first race. And, and I liked her breeding. I liked her qualifier. Um, so I hammered her. And uh, she got a com totally conservative drive, of course, and came charging for second at 8-1. to one. And then she proceeded to win uh, three golds in a row as the chalk. So, uh, it, you know, on a much smaller scale, it reminded me of Homer J's, uh, Homer J beating a, a very, very, very famous horse who only lost once. Um, but, yeah, body of work, I think it, it comes down to Soiree Hanover in this one. Well, I suppose we all kind of have our own ways of processing through these votings. I'm probably glad uh, I made the decision I did, or I'd be like Mike telling to skip me on this division, telling me <laughs> to skip me. But I think I actually wrote War of Michelle in, and then I guess I thought about it a little bit longer. It was like, well, yeah, the Breeders' Crown, the recency. But, yeah, then I started thinking about New Jersey Classics, thinking about the whole body of work. And, yeah, I think despite the finish of the season War Michelle had, Soiree Hanover had to be the choice for me. And uh, Derek's probably in the right realm. I mean, I, I surely don't think we're looking at a unanimous winner or anything, but I suspect Soiree will probably take care of her business in uh, this division. Three-year-old Colt and Gelding Trotter, <laughs> a tactical approach, uh, probably the one to knock off here, 1.5 million, 10 wins on the year, Kentucky Futurity, the Hamiltonian, the Breeders' Crown winner, did finish second in the FanDuel to an older horse, so uh, tactical approach. Uh, Michael Carter, I suspect maybe wins this division for you, and who knows, maybe more. Well, listen, to me, there's no question who wins this division. Um, it's To me, it's not even close. Uh, tactical approach for me is 100%, uh, you know, the vote-getter here. I mean, put together an, such an impressive season, $1.5 million made, and was second in the FanDuel uh, Championship to South Winterion and uh, – you know, we'll argue about uh, my choice for tactical approach uh, a little bit later on. But uh, this, you know, for me anyway, uh, is is by far uh, the three-year-old Cole Trotter of the year. Barry, any disagreement from you? Not, not in the least. I mean, the tactical approach, I mean, is um, remarkable. had a remarkable season. Uh, Hamiltonian, Kentucky Futurity, uh Hard to make a case for any other horse. Derek? He's honestly a much better horse than I thought he was early in the season. Even if he won the Hamiltonian, I really wasn't sold on him until maybe about until about Kentucky. And then he put in those two, you know, big performances in Kentucky. And uh, you know, quite frankly, th there there is no logical reason anyone can give me how they can vote for any other horse but tactical approach in this division. There's just none. Well, Garnett may offer one, or is he going tactical approach? <laughs> no, I, I'm not going to offer one. But uh, what a year for what a year for Nancy Tactor, right? She has the two. She only had two tactical landings, and one's Carl and one's tactical approach. 
Of course, her father, Jimmy, took over tactical landings training at three because he couldn't trot at two, and he proceeded to make 800000 finished third in the handball, won the Breeders' Crown, and I'm pretty sure her family owns a good chunk of tactical landing or tactical, uh, yeah, tactical landing. So um, just a phenomenal year for her going two for two with these great horses. Right. And you, you can't make a case against them in this division. Yeah, of course, uh, Nancy Tactor and Scott Ziron uh, both having big years. Uh, Scott Ziron up for a driver of the year. Maybe a discussion we'll get into a little bit if we have a couple moments at the end. But uh, let's go to the three-year-old Philly Trotters. Uh, Barry, we'll start with you here. Uh, Bond wins the uh, Breeders' Crown Final, finishes second in the FanDuel to an older Philly. Uh, Heaven Hanover uh, wins the uh, Hamiltonian Oaks special way. Gosh, she was really considered the top of this division early on after the year that she had. Obviously, things didn't pan out completely for her with an injury in the middle of the season. Mama Mia Volo, another one that maybe didn't pan out as people would have expected, especially those breaks in the last two starts. But uh, for me, I thought Bond was the clear choice. But Barry, did, is that the way you went or a different direction? I, I, I think you summed it up for me, as I would have said. A special way we thought was very, very special in the beginning of the year. Um, Heaven Hanover came in in the middle, but overall, um, it would you'd be hard pressed to go against Bond, in my opinion. Yeah, Garnett, I guess to sum up what I was saying there, uh, I feel like this is a division that had promised to be very, very competitive, but in the end, I, I think Bond just kind of asserted her dominance. Yeah, I think Special Way had some issues along the way. I mean, she's she's still a special filly, but Bond was just really good. And and watching her race when she was good, she was really good. Like even, you know, talk about elimination races or whatever, but even her Breeders' Crown elimination, she was raging with Trot the whole way. You could tell when he moved her, she was going to jog, right? And, uh, you know, she's just um, overall, she just had the, she had the best year. It's, it's very, very hard to make a case to vote for another one in, in this division. <laughs> Derek, another bond vote? Yeah, it's not really close. She dominated in earnings. It's an of the year award, and she had the best year start to finish. She was the most consistent, you know, by far, and, you know, obviously won a bunch of stakes. It, it's amazing that she's going to win this award, and I think win this award handily, you know, and she didn't win the Kentucky Philly Futurity. She didn't win the Hamiltonian Oaks, and those are two of the most prestigious races in her division, and she's not going to win either of them, but. She's going to win this award. All right, Mike, give us uh, the Rose Run Yolanda vote for your local Ohio connections. You know, I did. I voted. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I voted for Bond. Uh, Bond, by far the best uh, three-year-old Philly trotter out there. You know, the open trotting ranks this year for the Phillies and Mares, I mean, was was a pretty solid one. I mean, you had MM's Dream, Jiggy Jog, and Bond did not embarrass herself even a little bit. So, you know, the fact that she was able to finish second, only beaten two lengths, uh, says is a testament to how good she is. And Bond was the uh, player for me. Derek? Oh, no, we already went to Derek. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go to Mark next. We'll read some Facebook comments. He says, Soiree, tactical, Bond, easily. And, uh, yeah, it's clearly the way our panel has it. Derek, you want to give another vote for Bond or go back somewhere else if I'm throwing it to you again? Yeah, I still go for Bond. You know, I'm going to stick with her. <laughs> Mike, if I give you a second vote, will you then go to Rose Run Yolanda? Still bomb? Yeah, what the heck? You know what? Just so somebody else gets a vote, what the heck? We'll go with Rose Run Yolanda a second time around. Well, let's go to the age trotter ranks. And uh, Garnett, we'll start with you because I know how much you love El Raja 1. I'm not sure if you could go that direction this year. We'll find out, though, from you. But it's academic, a near millionaire this year. A lot of wins for him. 
Southwind Tyrion, maybe this is the real test of that recency bias. How good was he in the Breeders' Crown and the Fandle? Yeah, I can't go to El Raja 1 IT, unfortunately, because something went wrong with him at the end of the year. He, he didn't look right on the track. He looked kind of rough, uh, especially, you know, in the in the BC, in the British Crown and, and the FanDuel, and he eventually broke in the FanDuel. He really didn't look good in that race at all at any point on the track. But um, when he is 100% right, he is by far the best trotter in this division, but that's not what we're voting for, right? Um, I did go to a bit of a recency bias with Southwind Tyrion. I thought he was just really, really good. In his last four starts, um, I can see how it's academic is probably going to get a lot of votes. He might even win. I, I might have won the wrong horse here, but that's that's how my vote went. Mike, recency bias or it's academic or someone else? You know, for me, it's the recency bias. Uh, Derek, you and I both were at uh, Yonkers International Trot Day. And, um, you know, while he wasn't the best in the Robert McCuda trot, I would have loved to see him, you know, take on some of those horses in the uh, $1 million Yonkers International Trot. But, you know, listen, after that, I mean, he finished fifth. You know, he came to shipped to Ohio, finished fifth, only beaten two lengths behind Hill Exotic and Al Raja won. Uh, then Al Raja won, beat him only a length and a quarter in the Al Arage, And then, you know, he lost as the favorite in the British Crown uh, elimination before. Just an absolutely powerful performance in that British Crown final. And then, of course, coming back to uh, win the FanDuel Championships, he's had a stellar season and, uh, to me, deserves uh, deserves the honors here. Barry, are you also going to follow the recency bias? No, I'm uh, going for the it's academic bias. Um, I think overall, um, consistent over the entire year, uh, the most money earned, uh, you can make a case. For other horses, but in my opinion, it, it's academic. All right, Derek, uh, are we going to go three to one uh, South Ontarian, or are we going to tie this up at two to two? Two to two, two <laughs> to two. Uh, I you don't you don't get to uh, show up at the end of the year, win two races, and get an award from me. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just not the way it works in my world. You know, these horses race. You know, from let's say April through the end of November. And you got to show up, you know, more than two starts to win the award. Do I think he's the best trotter at the end of the year? Absolutely. South Ontarian was the best trotter at the end of the year. But he didn't win any stakes before the end of the year, you know. And it's academic, won four stakes races. He was consistent throughout the year. Even at the end of the year, when he wasn't on the top of his game, you know, it's not like he's, you know, finishing up the track somewhere. He was second in the Breeders' Crown, put in a solid effort. You know, he beat him in earnings by 300000 I think it's pretty clear that it's academic, deserves the award. But I understand that, you know, we live in a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately world. <laughs> you know, this is another division. I'm very confident. I typed the words, it's academic, on that ballot, and then changed them to Southwind Tyrion. Um, and now, looking back on it, I'm finding it a little tougher to justify. But again, I'll stand by the choice. Uh yeah, I don't know. The recency bias was huge there, obviously. We, we saw the Breeders' Crown. We saw the FanDuel. We know what South Ontario has done recently. But, you know, it's academic. Obviously, just a huge year. Um, you know, wins Cedars Trotting Classic, wins the Cashman. Uh, again, eight wins on the season. You know, nearly 300,000 more than South Ontario. So, I don't know. I think this is another difficult division. And that's only because of South Ontario making his last two starts. I mean, you know, if you kind of flip it and South Ontario wins, say, the Cashman and is dominant through the middle of the year of Caesar's Trotting Classic. There's probably no question it goes to its academic. So this will really be a one of the divisions that will test how strong voters are willing, of us Sushwa voters, willing to use that recency bias to determine 
these award winners. And the Breeders' Crown, too, is a big metric because, uh, Derek, I think it's fair to say if it's not the Breeders' Crown win for Southland Tyrion, if it's, say, the FanDuel and, yeah, the Dayton Derby or something, it's probably not enough, right? Like, the Breeders' Crown had to be one of those two wins at the end. Yeah, obviously, you know, for him to have a chance, he had to have the Breeders' Crown as one of those wins. And quite frankly, if you look at its academics lines, if you go back to that uh, um, the Caesar Strading class, you know, if he doesn't win that race, he don't get my vote, quite frankly, you know, because he wouldn't have won a race going back into the beginning of August. You know, you can't go that long and not win a race and still win it. But he was able to pick up that Hoosiers Trotting Classic at the end of September. And to me, that made a big difference for me and my voting. Well, Mark says Southland Tyrion. Sally says it's academics. There's even a couple uh, more differing opinions from our Facebook commenters. So that could be another very interesting division to pay attention to in this uh, awards announcement Saturday. But the last division for us to discuss, the aged Mare Trotters. And uh, Barry, for this one, Jiggy Jog versus MM Dreams. They had some good battles throughout the year, but I personally – in my vote, felt that Jiggy Jog uh, took care of business, so when it counted. Um, I agree. I think Jiggy Jog, Jiggy Jog's in this division. Um, you know, won the Breeders' Crown, won the FanDuel, uh, was second in the International, second in the Hambo Maturity. I mean, was there all the time. Um, eight wins, three seconds, and 11 starts, a million dollars. You can't ask for very much more. Mike, I'm probably biased, too, for my uh, European travels uh, and work this year, but uh, I think quite a lot of the international horses. So for Jiggy Dog to perform what she did against them in the international that you called there at Yonkers, uh, that, too, was, I mean, uh, as if she needed any more help to get the vote for me. That that was a pretty big race to me, even though she didn't win it. Listen, I, you know, it, it, it was by far the funnest day I think I've ever had uh, announcing races. And, uh, you know, she was very, very impressive um, in the Yonkers International Trots. I mean, you know, they were never getting to Vivid Wise Oz, uh, who was much the best that day. And um, what I what's more impressive about Jiggy Jog is, uh, you know, she took almost a month off after the Hamiltonian maturity, almost a month off after the steal. And then just really rallied with some nice performances. And, you know, she's just not one of those horses that can, you know, race week in and week out. And that was clearly proven throughout the season. But uh, she, you know, the time off didn't seem to hurt her. And she put together a really solid season, uh, earning over a million dollars this year. Garnett, uh, Mark says, Jiggy Jog, no debates. You better not have any debate. No, it's clear cut. I'll give you, I'll throw in one more stat. She's only the second trotting mare in history to have a million dollar season who's the first is going to tell me who the first one was he's core nope more recent and probably when purses are a bit higher bunny lake uh, Hanover, Hanover? yes we took three guesses that's pretty good <laughs> bunny lake's a pacer mike i only had one guess bunny lake's a pacer oh my bad <laughs> Derek, hopefully no debate from you either. Jiggy Jog? Yeah, there's no question. Jiggy Jog is going to destroy. And Eminem's dream had a, a wonderful season, but th- there's no doubt that Jiggy Jog is the best older uh, trotting man. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, we should, we should like, people hopefully look at the past performances like we do and look at these horses. Like, I like how we're debating and saying, like, you know, Jiggy Jog clearly, and she clearly will win the award, but, like, you know, if you told me I could own MM's dream, have seven wins on the year, nearly six hundred thousand, <laughs> like we're we're saying this like she's like a non-winners of one horse that won like five thousand or something this year. So I think there's a lot of very very good seasons from horses, but for the divisional honor, we'll go Jiggy Jog on this panel. 
And we will now roll through some of the uh, broader awards. Pacer of the year, Derek, this might be a quick uh, round the table discussion. Confederate? Confederate. Garnett? Confederate. Mike? Confederate. Barry? Confederate. Well, uh, it might not be quite fully unanimous like Bulldog was last year, which Derek's got his Bulldog shirt on there, but uh, we will go <laughs> unanimously Confederate. Now, Trotter of the Year, uh, I don't know. I suppose Jiggy Jog versus Tactical Approach. Mike, we know you're on Tactical Approach's bandwagon. Derek? There's no way Tactical Approach is losing. I mean, I think other horses will get some votes, you know, but he's not losing. Okay, Garnett? Agreed. He, he sh- shouldn't lose. I, I, I couldn't see him losing. Um it's going to come down to him and Confederate for Horse of the Year, right? Barry, tactical approach? Tactical approach. Well, I am as well. So we're unanimous on Pacer and Trotter of the Year. Now, Horse of the Year, well, I suspect there's going to be four votes for Confederate, one for uh, uh, for tactical approach. Uh, Derek, I, I guess we'll start with you. You can make the Confederate uh, appeal. <laughs> I mean, when I first saw that Michael picked tactical approach, <laughs> you know, I, I, I was a little taken aback and I went and I looked at the statistics and I looked at everything and you know what? It's not the craziest vote I've ever seen. I, I've seen people vote for a lot stranger horses than that. I think he's certainly the deserving horse. I think that Confederate's body of work from start to finish was a, a little bit better than him. You know, I think Con- Confederate, I think, did things on the track that, you know, made you say, hey, I want to go see Confederate. I don't know if I felt the same way about tactical approach, even though he had a, a great season. I think that the Confederate is clearly going to win this award, though clearly he will not be unanimous. Well, I guess I shouldn't uh, presume. I know where the vote's going. So, Garnett, is it a vote for Confederate? <laughs> uh, yeah, when you when you look at Confederate's um, body of work, I mean, he's got the one loss against age horses, and he probably should have won the North America Cup, right? He just got out-tripped. Um, you can't give it to a horse who has nine losses over him. I just, I just can't fathom that making that decision myself. Barry, Confederate vote. Uh, in my mind, no question. I would agree with that. Uh, again, for as much as I like to knock Confederate over the year, I, I think he's got to be the horse of the year. But all right, Michael, give us the speech, give us the appeal that none of us are going <laughs> to listen to or respect, but give us tactical approach, horse of the year. Well, listen, here's the deal, okay? Tactical Approach made about $100,000 less than Confederate throughout the year, okay? So if you're looking at money earned, yes, Confederate won. However, Tactical Approach danced all the big dances, uh, won a lot of the major dances. He won the Hamiltonian final, um, was a winner, or excuse me, was fourth at the Kentucky Sire Stakes uh, final, then came right back and won the Bluegrass before winning the uh, Kentucky Futurity. For me, beating, you know, finishing second in the FanDuel championship, uh, to me, gives him the slight edge over, say, uh, Confederate, who, listen, Confederate deserves Horse of the Year. It's not, you know, listen, to me, these two both deserve uh, Horse of the Year honors, but the horses the tactical approach beat in that FanDuel championship, uh, you know, to me, gives him a nod over Confederate and, uh, you know, like like Derek said, it's not you know it's not like I'm voting for uh, you know Bond or you know some crazy horse in this field, right? It, you know, in this uh, in this discussion, right? It's you know two solid horses. Uh, clearly, both are deserving, but to me, it's tactical approach. 
Well, that's a look at the Human Awards. 12 divisional honorees will be announced this Saturday at the Meadowlands. The Pacer, Trotter, and Horse of the Year will be announced at the Dan Patch Awards Banquet in Florida in February. But uh, before we wrap up here, let, let's finish. Let's discuss two Human Awards. They're related, of course, to our Horse Awards here. Driver of the Year, Trainer of the Year. Uh, Garnett, let's start with you. Give us your, both of your votes and talk to us about them. For Trainer of the Year, the nominees are Okus Fonstead, Ron Burke, and uh, Sean Stacy. And for Driver of the Year, it's Yannick Jingra or Scott Zeron. I went with Fonstead. He's just got so many good horses that perform well all year long. He just seems so stacked, his barn, all year long. But I, I could see making cases for the others. Um, for Driver of the Year, if Scott Zeron doesn't win it this year, when can he win? <laughs> you know, like, like honestly, if he doesn't win it this year, when can he win? Because in most years, he's never going to have the same gaudy stats as, as a guy like Jingra or Tietrich. But, man, he won almost every big race, right? So I, I think it's got to be Scotty this year, the money man. Barry, what about your two votes? Um, I agree about Scotty. Um, he did some impossible things and got lucky in a couple of situations. That's fine. That's what driving is all about. You got to get lucky sometimes. Uh, but he had a great season. Uh, Aki reminds me of the Alabama Crimson Tide. You know, they just have uh, so many five-star athletes that if one you know doesn't make it, it's the next one in. And that's the way Aki's barn is. I mean, I don't know how many different stake winners he had this year, but. It was remarkable. So it's Aki and Scott for me. All right. Identical votes from Barry. Mark on Facebook is contributing Scott Zeron and Okus Fonstead. Uh, Derek, we can get any dissent from you. You're going to get some dissent from me. I, I voted for uh, Aki. You know, I think uh, he had a deserving season. Quite frankly, I think he should have won the award last year. Um, and that kind of goes into how I voted for driver of the year because last year I voted for Aki for trainer of the year and Jim Campbell won because he had those two big wins. And this year, and obviously, every, you know, Jim won. That's the way the vote went. And this year, the same thing's going to happen on the driver. You know, Scotty's clearly going to win in a line side. I voted landslide. I voted for Yannick. And because th the numbers are what the numbers are. And Yannick won $5 million more. And, and his win percentage was seven points higher. You know, 21% versus 14%. And uh, I love Scotty. I think, you know, you know he, this is probably... You know, it's he's going to need a lot to go right, you know, in other years in his career, and he certainly can. He's a young guy, you know, to win the award again, and certainly a lot went right for him here. But 14% uh, just isn't high enough for me to vote for him to win an award. I just I just couldn't do it, you know. Or if the money was closer, maybe. But, you know, it's just, I don't know. I just couldn't get, I couldn't get over the statistics hump to vote for him. And though I do think he's going to win easily, so uh, it's a win-win for me. I voted for the guy who I think had the better numbers, and Scotty ends up winning anyway. <laughs> hey, Garnett, uh, Debbie Little's chiming in late on this topic, but if Tactical Approach had won the FanDuel, it could have been a discussion. Now, that's interesting. Would you have considered at all Tactical Approach over Confederate for Horse of the Year if he wins the FanDuel? Because then he beats older horses in the FanDuel, but Confederate loses pretty badly to older horses in the FanDuel. No, I would not. <laughs> okay, well, Mike. You still got nine losses. You still got the nine losses, right? I can't. I can't. Has a horse oh, ever won a year with then. nine losses? You'd have eight, eight losses. Then. <laughs> I don't know. I I just can't get past I, that when I want to. It wouldn't have changed my mind either. It wouldn't have changed my mind either. Um, I really feel like that race that Confederate was in in the Fanduel, you know, it, it was an impossible spot. There was no way he can win that race in my mind. 
you know, so much. I mean, I certainly picked against him. I didn't think he had any chance. You know, that racing from post nine against those horses was just too difficult. And, you know, tactical approach had an easier spot to deal with. Yeah, and you got a good trip, right? Mike, you're either rebuttal to that, your driver of the year, trainer of the year, whatever you want to give us. Uh, I'll give a rebuttal in a minute, but uh, trainer of the year for me was Ron Burke um, and driver of the year was Scott Zeron. I mean, you know, Scott just had an amazing season, although Derek brings up some really interesting points, uh, you know, from a percentage factor. Um, you know, if you're looking at an entire body of work, you know, instead of the uh, kind of, you know, them winning major, you know, just major stakes or what have you. So, um, but for me, it was, uh, was Scotty and Ron. And uh, for me, if tactical approach wins the uh, fan duel, I'm not sure. Well, I, you know, I won't say that, but you know, if he wins, it's still a complete lock for me, obviously. Let me say one more thing before you move on. I'm Ron Burke, because it just it goes to show you like, what does this guy have to do to win an award kind of thing? You know, because Aki's probably going to win here. The guy won right now has 1,155 wins, right? He eclipsed his old record by over 60 wins already. He's going to come close to 1,200 wins in a season. It's just unbelievable. It's amazing, isn't it? So driver of the year, you know, to be fair, I looked at the same statistics Derek did, and it probably almost should have put me on the Yannick bandwagon for this award he was the leading grand circuit driver obviously everything he did this year but i guess it was just the flashy wins you know whenever i'm thinking when the big money was down this year be it the adios be it the north america cup be it the jugette and the jug i mean it just seems like scott was always in that winner's circle so i did have to go with scott Zeron in the end but uh yeah I, I agree with what Derek said in the sense that i think scott's gonna win it but he's gonna win it by a larger margin than he probably should if that, if that makes sense i'd agree with that Trainer of the year, again, probably my bias being in Europe and hearing it for, for days on end at Sovala, but it's man in green, mean machine, King O'Cobb. <laughs> but uh, what I will say is in the opening line to his uh, bio, his nomination bio, I think really uh, sums up why I voted this way. Uh, for Oka, his $9.83 million in purses is the 20th highest total ever, exceeded only by seasons by Ron Burke, Jimmy Tactor, and Mickey Burke. But Svonstead's 594 starts in 2023 are the fewest by at least 135 of anyone ahead of him on the historical list. I mean, obviously the operation Ron runs is incredible. Uh, and Debbie Little said it, the Ron Berkwin trainer of the year every year. That's probably a true fact. But just considering that opening paragraph and what Oka did this year, I think is really, really incredible. And as the good Alabama Crimson Tide football fan I am, if Barry's comparing Oka to <laughs> Alabama football, that's even more reason we're, we're going that way. <laughs> Here's a question, oh. and, I, and I don't know the answer to it. Has any driver ever won the North America Cup, the Hamiltonian, the Jug, and the Jugette in the same year? I think the Jug and Jugette double isn't really done that often, so throw in the other two, I would say probably not. That's, a, that's, why, that's part of the reason why I didn't even look at statistics when I made this vote. Hmm. Yeah, well, so anyway, so Debbie says Ron Cooper, we're trainer of the year every year. Sally says Ron breeds, trains babies, and racehorses. What more can he do? Uh, Mark says trainer of the year is debatable, but Scott has to be driver of the year, doesn't he? So some of our thoughts from the Facebook people and uh, the only other human award I'll mention uh, briefly myself here for a minute is, of course, the Breakthrough Award winner, which uh, hey, Michael Carter's won that award before. I just won it last year. So looking forward to pass that torch on to somebody. And we got three very deserving candidates. Uh, Mark McKelvey, good friend up at 
Wood by Mohawk, obviously a lot of the great work he does. Jessica Howlett nominated not only for this award, but also for the Unsung Hero Award. Uh, that Pompano book she put together looks absolutely incredible. Obviously, what she did for the Tioga Horsemen through their tragedy, also just admirable work. And Jacob Reinheimer, who has really uh, broken through out there at Hoosier Park, obviously a vital part of their broadcasts. And uh, he has been on the show several times as well in several of these roundtables. So my best wishes to the three uh, candidates for the uh, Breakthrough Award winner. And look forward to seeing in Florida at the end of the month, uh, end of February, who will take that torch for me as the Breakthrough Award winner. But uh, before we wrap up here, Barry, I'll throw it back to you. Speaking of Florida, end of the year, uh, usharnesswriters.com for information. But to give a little bit of a rundown uh, for our listeners out there about uh, maybe just us one general, obviously what we do, as well as the awards banquet coming up in Florida and Orlando in February. Absolutely. Um, the awards banquet, Sunday, February 25th at the Rosen Center in Orlando, Florida. Uh, if you go to uh, U.S. Harness Rider, uh, uh, HarnessWriters.com, um, all the information about uh, the rooms, uh, tickets, ads, sponsorships, it's all there. Um, the Harness Riders, uh, you know, does a, a, a great deal of good things and important things for the industry. You know, we... Uh, we nominate and vote on uh, the Living Hall of Fame and the Communicators Hall of Fame. Uh, we, uh, you know, nominate uh, for the Horses of the Year and the Divisional Honors and all the Human Awards. Um, you know, something that Garnett is involved in, uh, the Clyde Hurt Workshop, which is a very important part and, it, you know, is the springboard to some people uh, getting a chance to really see what uh, journalism is like, sports journalism in particular, and hopefully harness racing journalism in particular. Um, those are the things we do. We're proud of our work. And um, that's uh, really all I have to say about it. I, I, I'm proud uh, to have served as president. Uh, of the Harness Riders, and uh, look forward to the banquet in Orlando in February. Well, first Vice President Michael Carter, what, what do you have to follow that up with? Hopefully you're joining us this year. Wasn't it last year you missed the awards banquet? I did. We uh, we had something a little more important. Uh, going <laughs> on. our, uh, our, our daughter was being born last year, and Barry, uh, Barry and I had a brief discussion uh, a few weeks back about uh, you know, when the awards banquet should be, and he obliged that it should be after our daughter's birthday. So I appreciate that. Right? No, I'm kidding. Um, just, you know, it's always another baby coming in February. Yeah, no, 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 no babies coming in February. I liked it, Michael. During the membership meeting last year, it was the most succinct comment you've ever had. Just the, oh, let's read this letter, Jerry Connors. Let's read this letter from Michael Carter. Oh, sorry, can't be here, baby born. Oh, wow, that was best speech ever for michael carter yeah you know it's uh it's, listen i tried to tell a joke during my breakthrough award speech and uh it wasn't very good um i think Derek givner might have been the only one laughing at me that year but uh we won't dive into that uh you know here, here here's the deal uh you know i'm very excited to be back um i missed being there last year uh you know it, it's a fun time to get with everybody you know follow up with people and make a lot of connections. And, um, you know, if you're in the harness racing, uh, sport, it's a good, good time to come down and enjoy, uh, you know, a little bit of time off, but to connect with people that you may not get to see on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, I'm anxious to get down there. It's going to be fun and, uh, we're looking forward to it. 
Yeah, Garnett, uh, Barry was talking about it. We'll chat a little bit more about something you and I are both advisors for, the Clyde Hurt Journalism Workshop. Uh, you know, uh, the two greatest things ever for me this year's workshop were, first of all, finally getting to sit behind a horse, thanks to Rachel Nick and his barn. I was just talking to him about that at the Monticello Goshen uh, Ushua Chapter Awards a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, obviously we went to New York Giants training camps with the kids on Friday morning. And, uh, you know, Deontay Banks, every time I see him, I say, oh, wow, University of Maryland guy. He was great. He talked to our students. Brian Dable, anytime I see him on the sidelines, you know, great head coach, great time he spent with our students the last couple of years. So that's a lot of fun for the kids. And obviously, Garnett, a lot of fun for us, too, to be advisors. Absolutely. And it's, it's a very, very busy week. We cram a lot in so they can learn. They have to learn fast. Um, you know, my, my son, Nick, was there and did a great job of kind of taking him through race replays and what to watch for in the terminology and not saying horses run and don't ask if a horse is going to run in the Kentucky Derby <laughs> winning the Hamiltonian and all that kind of stuff. But I think we had it in the right sequence because the very first morning of the, of the uh, workshop, we drove out to Goshen, pulled into Ray Schnickers and said, they pulled out the, the, the double jogging card and we said, who's going first? And they're like, we're going, what? Right. And so they got an education right away by sitting behind a horse before they learned anything else. And, uh, you know, it's always great. It's always a lot of fun. Hamiltonian week, so much fun. And, um, have, you know, the afternoon of the Hamiltonian is the best, uh, best racing in North America, in my opinion. Garnett, will we see you in Florida this year? You won't. Um, I won't, won't be making it to Florida. I wish I could, but um, hopefully, hopefully another time. Derek, we'll see you down there again this year, right? I'll be there on Sunday morning for the meeting and Sunday night for the dinner. Um, that's about it. You, you get me for one day, one full day. But uh, Oh, man. Come on, Derek. Last year, everybody was in the Oshawa Hospitality Suite uh, focusing on uh, you know their, their drinks on Saturday night. You were the one coming up to me saying, oh, look, Meadowlands, 11th race. Let's bet this. <laughs> well, listen, uh, I'm not saying I won't be there on Saturday night in the hotel. I, I may or may not. I haven't decided my plans yet as to – where I'm going to be. I'm not serving as director this year, so I, I don't have to be there uh, earlier on Saturday. So, uh, but I'm certain I'll be in the Orlando area by then, and uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe uh, come hang out or whatever. I'm sure I serve on enough committees, you know, I don't need to do everything. All right. I'll Derek, say that. Oh, sorry, Mike. Well, no, it's okay. I'll say this, you know, Derek's got a family and, you know, I, I've done, I've sort of copied Derek uh, over the past couple of years. We use this as kind of our, uh, our vacation time for our family uh, following the, uh, following the damn patch. Uh, Orlando's a beautiful area. And Derek, I don't know if you're sticking around uh, the following week, but uh, I know we are. Uh, no, I'll, odds are I will come down to Florida, you know, the week, you know, the beginning of that week. So I'll be in Florida probably Monday or Tuesday. It's just a matter of, you know, uh, you know, when I'm going to go to Orlando and when I'm going to be in town for, for that, because like I said, I don't need to be there until Sunday. So. Yeah, that's what I did last year. It was a lovely trip, but uh, Derek last word before we wrap up this show and we're going to finish in the money media's harness content for 2023 by bashing the person we love to bash most Ray Catolo. Five years ago, the U S <laughs> harness association, we award him the breakthrough award and he doesn't even show up. Yeah, I, I, you know what? To me, he should never get another reward again for the rest of his life. You're automatically banned. You don't show up. I don't care. He said he was sick. He has all these excuses. Blah, 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 blah. I don't care. You win an award. You suck it up and you show up. He's too busy making those horse racing nation videos with oranges. Picking <laughs> winners. I'm watching my phone. I know he's going to tell me, text me soon and give the, I was sick. I was really sick. But you know what? Given that like White Castle and all this junk food he eats, he probably <laughs> was really sick off of something he eats. But anyway, uh, Barry Lefkowitz, 
Michael Carter, Garnett Barnsdale, Derek Givner, thank you all for joining us so much. I'm Edison Hatter. Thanks, as always, everybody out there for tuning in to the special In The Money Media podcast of promoting the 2024 Dan Patch Awards coming up in February down in Orlando, Florida, presented by Caesars Entertainment. Again, it's Sunday, February 25th, usharnesswriters.com. You can get all the information there. And um, Mark's Facebook comment wraps it up well. Great show, guys. Let's have a great 2024 racing season. Hopefully everyone out there does. And uh, we'll wish everybody a happy early 2024. Thank you.